years ago, researchers found that loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Two in five Americans reported that they sometimes or always feel their social relationships are not meaningful. And one in five said they feel lonely or socially isolated. Even before a pandemic that mandated sticking close to those in our household, we were suffering from what some have called a loneliness epidemic. We are more connected than ever, but also more lonely. The average Facebook user has over 300 Facebook friends, but many of those friends are people we haven't spoken to in years. Apps like Bumble BFF or Meetup encourage users to try to build community no matter where or who you are, or host a virtual or in-person event for folks with similar interests, but these do not necessarily lead to deep and lasting friendships. We watch sitcoms about friend groups like Friends or Seinfeld or The Big Bang Theory, where these shows act as companions to us. It can be difficult to make true and lasting friendships. No one ever talks about the miracle of Jesus having 12 close friends in his 30s. At creation, God proclaimed that things were good, were well made, were as they should be. Humans were made in the image of God, and we were in communion with God, with creation, and each other. But we are no longer connected to God, or creation, or each other, as we should be. There are still plenty of beautiful friendships to read about in the Bible. Ruth and Naomi, David and Jonathan, Paul and Silas, and of course, Jesus and his disciples. And according to the Bible, good friends give godly advice. Good friends help each other succeed. Good friends eat a meal and tell stories. Good friends are united in heart and mind and share everything they have. Good friends listen to what God is saying and encourage each other to be responsive to what they're hearing. Proverbs 18 says a true friend is closer than your own family. If I asked you who God is to you, what would you say? One person might say God is Lord and Savior. Another might start with God is creator. God is redeemer, sustainer, protector, parent, instructor, provider, deliverer, peacemaker. God is many things and shows love in many ways. In our scripture for this morning, Jesus identifies himself as the disciple's friend. How can we know Jesus as friend? In her book, Freeing Jesus, Diana Butler Bass writes, I think if we think that being with Jesus means getting the right answers from a creed or remembering points of doctrine from a sermon, we will probably not manage to truly know Jesus. She describes one morning in Sunday school when her teacher showed the class a painting of Jesus with a group of children. Diana and her classmates sang the song, Jesus Loves Me, and Diana says this is the first theology she learned, that Jesus loves her and he is a loyal friend. Jesus is a friend, but our friendship with God did not start with Jesus. In the Old Testament, friendship with God is central to the promises and faithfulness of being a called people. 
Abraham and Moses are specifically called friends of God in Exodus 33. Friendship with God is what establishes the covenant between God and Israel. Then the New Testament vividly recounts the closeness of Jesus' circle of friends, women and men who are transformed through their relationships to Jesus. As John Wesley looked at his life, he noticed that his energy and time was not ordered like Jesus's. Jesus spent most of his time with the three in his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the 12 disciples. He seemed to give the crowds as little energy and attention as possible. Wesley realized that, in contrast, he was spending almost all of his time and energy on a faceless crowd of people while neglecting to nurture friendships of depth and worth with an inner circle or a group of 12. In an attempt to be more like Jesus, Wesley began to meet with people who would watch over each other's souls with love. Wesley knew that friendship is about more than who we spend our free time with. It's who we go through life with, who we trust to carry us through difficult times. The University of Wisconsin Center for the Study of Pain conducted an experiment in which researchers timed how long volunteers could keep their feet in buckets of freezing cold water. They discovered something remarkable. Whenever a companion was allowed in the room with the person whose feet were being frozen, he or she could endure the cold for twice as long as those who suffered alone. The presence of another caring person doubles the amount of pain a person can endure, the researcher said. The same is undoubtedly true of emotional pain. Rallying around our friends when they are in pain helps. I've seen it. Even if we can't carry the pain for them, our presence lightens the load. And why do we take time out of our day to visit a friend who is lonely, to call on the anniversary of the death of their loved one? Why do we cook them a meal when their parent dies? It isn't comfortable, it isn't convenient, but we want to help them. We want to take care of them as much as we can. We love them. To love is to be for another and to act for another, even when it costs you. A great example of loving others, even when it costs you, is the author Bob Goff. Bob loves people in what I would consider an outrageous amount. You see, most people will tell you time is a precious resource, that your time should be constantly guarded and carefully spent. And I'm sure Bob would agree that his time is precious, but that doesn't mean he hoards it. No, Bob Goff puts his personal cell phone number in the back of every book he writes. He says he gets about a hundred calls a day, and he tries to answer every single one. He can't get anything done, but he claims being available to people is more important. Sacrificing his time for a total stranger is more important. Why? Because he knows the person on the other end of the line is beloved by God and that we are called to love others as God loves us. At the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, Bishop Michael Curry preached, oh, there's power, power in love. 
not just in its romantic forms, but in any form, in any shape of love. There's a certain sense in which you feel when you are loved and you know it. When someone cares for you and you know it, when you love and you show it, it actually feels right, he said. There's something right about it, and there's a reason for that. The reason has to do with the source. Our ability to have a relationship with Jesus is a gift of grace. It is a reason for gratitude and joy. Without abiding in Jesus, the church cannot bear fruit. Last week, we heard about how Jesus instructs us to abide in him. A relationship of rest, not hurry. A relationship of peace, not stress. A relationship of trust, knowledge, love, and unity. We abide in Jesus because without him, we cannot bear fruit. To bear fruit, to do works of love, is a tangible sign of discipleship. And as verse 13 says, Jesus' death is the ultimate demonstration of the love he has for us. It's the most explicit statement in the gospel of what it means to love. God relentlessly seeks and finds, knows and cares, sustains and nurtures all God's creatures. God's desire for friendship with us stems from a deep love for us. We can all receive this love. To be Jesus's friend and to love Jesus are synonymous because both are defined as keeping his commandments. We can all receive this love and we can all love like this. Now, no one is the perfect friend, but with God's help, we can embody this friendship Jesus is talking about, to love one another as he loves us, to bear fruit that will last. And again, Jesus stresses to love one another. To be a Christian is to seek to be a better friend to God, our neighbor, and creation. In her book, Searching for Sunday, Rachel Held Evans wrote, the gospel doesn't need a coalition devoted to keeping the wrong people out. It needs a family of sinners saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors and shouting, welcome. There's bread and wine. Come eat with us and talk. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy. It's a kingdom for the hungry. In August of 2019, at the beginning of the school year in the United States, a photo showing two little boys holding hands went viral. Connor, an autistic boy entering the second grade, was going to school alone for the first time. Although the bus trip went well, when he arrived at school, he froze with fear and started to cry. He hid in a corner, unable to walk into the building. Christian, another little boy, saw Connor and went over to comfort him. 
Then he took Connor by the hand and led him inside the building. He found me and held my hand and I got happy tears, Connor later told a reporter when asked about Christian. He was kind to me. I was in the first day of school and I started crying. Then he helped me and I was happy. Connor's mother said Christian is Connor's first real friend. Children like Christian and Connor show us what it means to be a real friend. Friendship is mutual, a hand extended and another reaching back. Sometimes you're the one who needs the hand and at other times, yours is the hand that reaches. This is my commandment, Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. In talking with a friend of mine recently, he shared something so interesting. He said, friendship changes us. I asked what he meant by that, and he said, the very nature and being of God is community. So when we are with one another, we are most closely living into who God is calling us to be. It's through that friendship where we wrestle and think and love that we start to see the human in the other person. And we are made more human ourselves. That's of God. Jesus did his best work and changed lives, not by lecturing, but by being with by coming alongside, by sharing a table, by loving. Who can you come alongside in holy friendship? It's been said, if you go out looking for friends, you're going to find they're very scarce. If you go out to be a friend, you'll find them everywhere. Think about the people you can form an inner circle with. Think about the two or maybe three people you can go even deeper than that with. Think about the person or couple of people you can simply stand to get to know better. How can you invite each of these people into deeper friendship this week? Notice people as Jesus did. Who has enough? Who doesn't? Who has a place? Who's excluded? Who was invited but refused to come? Who snuck into the feast because they were so hungry for food and community that they would even eat the crumbs if they were allowed? The Society of Friends, more commonly known as Quakers, believe every human being is filled with the inner light or presence of God. And that since we are all friends of God, we are all friends of one another. Since their foundation in the mid-1600s, these friends have advocated for all kinds of social justice causes, from the abolition of slavery to the advancement of women's rights. Stemming from their friendship with God, they work for a more just, loving, and egalitarian society. Seeing everyone as a friend leads to friendship, not just for the sake of having friends, but for the good of the world. Friendship for the good of the world. The image of God all humans bear is of relational, other-centered love. 
We can love one another because God first loved us. Your life was designed for knowing and being known, for loving and being loved. In a world that seems so lonely, remember what a friend we have in Jesus. Be a friend, a real, true friend to those around you. Don't settle for something less than friendship when the possibility of real and true friendship is all around. Trade what is easily available for what is actually worthwhile. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. We can all receive this love and we can all love like this. Thanks be to God. Amen.